Good morning. My name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, happy Easter. Uh, so glad you've chosen to uh, celebrate Easter here with us. I feel in a lot of ways, um, I'm going to read a passage here in a minute. I feel like I'd read this passage and we could go home. Uh, just that song, uh, the message from Judah Smith a little while ago, that video, a pastor out in Seattle, just touching. Uh, but this message of Easter that Judah kind of talks about, the message of where he kind of lays the picture out of the story, if you're not familiar with it, with a guy named Barabbas who uh, basically walked off the platform. And Judah kind of draws this picture of it's, it's kind of the picture of the theological, the, the theologians called substitution. This exchange has taken place. In other words, Jesus says, I am going to stand in your place and you're going to have my perfection. And um, I am going to take upon myself your sin. And we have life. And that's what we celebrate at Easter because Jesus died, he rose again, it changes everything. Uh, we're starting a series slow. If you turn with me, I want to jump right into a passage, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. As Jesus died, buried, and rose again, he's going to give us an invitation, and it's going to open us up into this whole series uh, that we're going to be in for the next couple weeks. If you do not have a Bible, again, welcome. So glad you're here. Uh, maybe you're new to the Bible. You'll find one right there in the seats in front of you. Uh, Matthew's about three-quarters of the way through the Bible, or in those Bibles, you'll see it in page 809. And if you don't have a Bible, that Bible there in the seats in front of you is a gift from us to you. You may take that home with you. Uh, We just ask that you use it. But Matthew chapter 11. Now, Jesus is going to give an invitation. It's the invitation I want us to hear this morning. I want us to walk out of here with this invitation because I believe with all of my heart that a majority of us in this room need this invitation, desperately need this invitation. Then Jesus said, verse 28, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You know, the rest that Jesus is talking about here, the rest that he offers to you and to me is not just a good night's sleep. It's not just uh, taking care of your physical body. If you see it there in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Can I ask this question? How is it with your soul? How many of us just stop and reflect on this question? How is it with your soul? I mean, how's it going? You know, we live in a world today, and there's a lot of ways to describe our world, and I don't want to get all down on our world. I get tired of people who do that. It's different today than it was many years ago, but I think it's important to understand those differences. We live in a modernized, globalized world where at the click of a mouse, you can pull a phone out of your pocket right now, a lot of you, click a mouse and get information beyond something that years ago we couldn't even get our heads around the information that we have available to us. At a click of a mouse or a touch of a thumb, you can be in China, taking in the culture, or you could even be right now taking in another church service somewhere else in this world right now with that little thing you have there in your hand. Uh, With a two to three hour drive, you can be in Washington, D.C. With a short plane trip, you can be across our nation. We live in a connected, complex world, and our world is full of opportunity. And what I've found in our world, because there's so much opportunity, because we can do so much, we do do so much. And we're busy people. And I believe our souls are tired. And I believe there are a lot of people here this morning. You know why I know this? Because I'm in this very place myself. Our souls are tired. And Jesus says, come unto me and I want to give you rest. Kevin DeYoung, a pastor out in um, 
out in Minnesota, actually the home of the Spartans. If you're, if you're a football fan, college football fan, he pastors out there in that college town uh, there in East Lansing. And uh, he wrote a book called Crazy Busy, a great book. If you want to take kind of this study over the next couple of weeks, we're a little deeper. It's a very simple book. It's a mercifully short book is what he calls it for a very big problem, uh, being busy. It's an easy one to get through. But he asked a couple questions at the start of that book to kind of describe how is it with your soul and compared to how busy we are. I want to ask him to us this morning. I just want to borrow his questions. I want to go through a handful of them. First one. Be honest with these. Do you regularly work at least 30 minutes more a day than what you're contracted to work? Or might I add, do you come home regularly later than what you told your spouse you would be home? Yeah, honey, I'll be home at 5. You come in the door at 5.30, 6 o'clock, or whatever it might be. Do you do that? Now, your answer might be, well, yeah, <laughs> I got a job to do, and I want to keep my job. Next question, do you check your emails at home? whether it's before bed, at the dinner table, first thing when you wake up. Now, you may say to me, well, Adam, do you live in this millennium? I mean, I have to. You know, it's interesting to me you think about this. Uh, when was electric invented? Most of us think it was like way back. It really wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago that when the sun went down, we went down. That's not that long ago. Matter of fact, when I was a child growing up, my dad was in business and he had, um, he wasn't connected to the office when he left. You know, back then he would leave the office and leave the office. Do you know what left him connected to the office? If anything, was this thing called a landline. Have you know what that is? So those of the younger in the room are like, what is that? A landline, a thing with a cord. I mean, I even had him with cords. You know, he'd stretch that cord out as far as you get it and so we had this landline, and today we leave the office and we take it with us. It's in our pocket, is it not? And we think we have to respond to the text. We have to get back to the Facebook message. We have to get back to the email. And it's like we have this always-on mentality. And I think it's doing a number to our souls. Next question. Has anyone ever said to you, here's what, have anyone ever said this to you? I didn't want to trouble you because I know how busy you are. Now, you say, well, of course they've said that. I am busy, and I'm glad they had the decency to respect my time. Might be a problem, though. <laughs> Number four, uh, third, next one. If tomorrow evening or any other night this week suddenly opened up on your calendar, just poof, magically it's free, what would you do with your time? Would you do household chores, cross something off, else off the list, or maybe even do some work that you had to get done for the boss? What would you do with that time? Next one. Do you often feel tired during the day or feel neck or shoulder pain or aches? Now, you may say, well, yeah, goes with the territory. Nothing, a little coffee, five-hour energy or ibuprofen can't fix. I mean, man, we consume a lot of coffee in this country. Do you have a hobby in which you are actively involved? Here's a tough one. And Pinterest does not count. Nor does Candy Crush. Just this morning, I crossed into level 500. I mean, that's, I know, I, there should be self-help group or support groups for people like me. Nor does season two all caught up on the blacklist. That doesn't count either or any other of your favorite shows. But do you have a hobby that you would say, yes, I am healthy and I I'm, I'm, have time to play. Playing is good. Scripture says it is good to play. Do you have that? Next one. Do you often exceed the speed limit while driving? My wife in the room is going, 
sweetie? Yes, I do. And you may say, well, isn't five over legal? Or, or maybe it's, well, I, only, I don't do it when I'm eating my French fries or whatever else texting in the car because that would be, I mean, we, we are fast-paced people. At least I am. I don't know, maybe some of you don't relate to that. Uh, next one, do, if you have children at home, do you pray with your children regularly? Now, you may say, well, yeah, I never turn them down when they ask. I mean, just do they even ask. Do you regularly pray? Let that set in. And I'm not talking about you pray as you're going, on your drive to work or your, or your way to school or wherever. But do you have a chunk in your day where you just carve it out and sit down and are quiet before God to listen to him and converse with him in an intimate way? Do you do that? The final one, and this one's going to poke in, and some of you are going, Adam, this isn't even realistic. It is clear you do not live in today's day and age, but I want to ask it anyway. Do you eat together as a family or a household at least once a day? Not a week, once a day. And you know what I find in that question, when that gets asked, the majority of people really honest, the answer to that is no. We struggle to get three days in, some in this room would say. Some would say we struggle to get a day together. I find that our culture is so busy. We're burdened. We're running at a breakneck speed. And Jesus' invitation here is come to me, verse 28, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, you crave that. But here, if you're honest, be honest, you may feel helpless. You say, Adam, I want it. (laughs) I want that. But you feel helpless. You know, you feel helpless for the very same reasons I feel helpless. I say, well, I got four kids. And these crazy kids, these overachiever kids that I have all signed up to do a volunteer science fair this past month. Four kids doing a science fair. I mean, Adam, you know, you may, you may relate to this or they're in sports or they're doing music or I've got these kids and the kids and I'm always, it's out there, kids. Or maybe you're saying my boss or my job and I've got to do this job well and I've got to work hard and I've got to put my time in and I have, and so it's your job. Or maybe say it's your bills. I got to pay the bills. I got the water bill, the electric bill, the phone bill. It's all coming in and I, I just got to, I got to take that extra job on. I have to do this or maybe it's the church. We ask a lot. Those on this stage this morning know that. They put a lot of time in practicing. They put a lot of energy in. So you say, it's the church. It's my calendar. But here's the deal. This morning, I want you to hear this. I want to just, this whole series, our busy problem is a soul problem, not a calendar problem. It's not something that's happening out there. It's something that's happening in here. And Jesus' message on this Easter morning, I believe, if he was sitting with us, he would say, come unto me and find rest. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Find rest for your soul. That man I mentioned earlier, the pastor out in, out in Michigan, he got a, has a great quote I want to share with you. He says this, we won't say to more craziness until we say yes to more Jesus. It's not wrong to be tired. Let me hear it. It's not wrong to be physically tired. I think it's a good thing to be physically tired once in a while. It's not wrong to be tired. It's not wrong to go through seasons of complete chaos. What's wrong and heartbreakingly foolish and wonderfully avoidable is to live life with more craziness than we want because we have less Jesus than we need. How is it with your soul? And how's it going? 
Right now, do you sense an inner strength and a rest that's hard to put words to? Or are you just tattered and hanging on for dear life? Crazy, busy, tired, worn out. Jesus' message, I think, this Easter is come unto me and find rest. You know, as, as we think about this, just a few pages over from this in Matthew, Jesus tells a story about a farmer. Now, this one kind of resonates with me right now because as I'm driving around, you know, I'm seeing the fields getting turned up, and that's really cool because you know what that means? Spring is finally here. Soon we're going to see flowers, and we're going to see leaves on trees, and that's like, yes. So as these farmers are tilling up the field, Jesus tells a story about a farmer. So the farmer's going, I didn't have all the power equipment then to lay seed all nice and neat in a row, so they had a farmer that would go out and he'd scatter the seed. And he says, he tells the story of a farmer going out and scattering seed. The seed lands in four different places. The first place it lands is this hardened footpath where people walk. And so, as you know, the seeds trampled on the path is hard. The seed doesn't take root. And those that do are gone in a hurry. So it's like the seed lands, they're hearing the message, but it's just kind of gone. The next seed kind of goes out from there and it lands in a shallow soil, kind of off the footpath where the soil's not that deep. It's kind of rocky. So those, the seed that does set in, it, it's, it's gone in a hurry. The next seed kind of reaches out into the areas that the, the ground wasn't quite turned up yet. The, the ground, it was, just kind of off the edge of the field, probably where there, where there would have been thorns or weeds. And so the seed lands there, the seed sets in, but it just gets choked out because there's other things competing for the nutrients in the soil. The final seed is the seed that lands in the good, churned up, rich soil. Now, Jesus' disciples, his buddies hanging out with him, they're confused. They're like, Jesus, why did you tell us this story? We're not farmers. We're fishermen. There's a tax collector. I mean, we, we don't farm. They're confused. So Jesus is going to break it down for us. Okay, guys, here it is. He lays out what each soil represents. It represents kind of what we do with the message of Jesus, what we do with the word of God when we hear it. And the one, the one seed, the seed that lands on the hard path, I want to share with you because I think it is for our Western culture. Matthew 13, 22, this is what Jesus describes it to be. The seed that fell among the thorns represented... Those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so that no fruit is produced. I think there's a lot of people in our culture that say, I want to hear from Jesus. I want to hear from God. I want that relationship. I want to be close to him. I want it. I hear it. I want it. But then they walk into life and the worries of this world and the money and the chase after all this stuff and the busyness just silences that voice and no fruit is produced. Jesus says, I am, your, I am your value. Come to me. I am your worth. I am where you define those things. You know, if you turn a few pages in Matthew, you see, another, you see another verse, a famous verse. Some of you may have seen this before. Jesus says this, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? All those worries and all that wealth that you run after, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? This next question is so profound. Is anything worth more than your soul? Your soul is priceless. Do you believe that? Every one of you here this morning, your soul is priceless. And Jesus says, listen, come unto me and find rest. Define your value and worth. Get your worth from me. Get your worth from me. Walk with me. Learn my ways. But see, I find we're, we're trying to gain other things. We want the world. Don't we? I mean, I thought about some things that I've looked to over life and I've seen other people. These are all good things, but some of the world that we're trying to gain might be people, relationships, 
You think if all your relationships were honky-dory and smooth, you would have the world. It would be down. Or you be, maybe you become a people pleaser. You don't want to disappoint the people in your life. You want to keep them happy. Maybe you've gotten to the place where what other people say is kind of defining who you are. And maybe it's all about sex and romance and the next great relationship and the next relational high. Maybe that's, you have that, you have the world, and that's where you look for your worth and your value. Maybe it's your job or your career. You know, for me, many many years, and I still try and slay this beast, is I lived with this motto of failure is not an option. I thought if I can finally be a success, I will respect myself and I will gain the respect from others in my life. I work so hard to be a success and I still do at days I slip into this. At times I've become a workaholic and it's work, work, work. Because if I gain it, I'm going to have it. Maybe for some of you, it's fame. You want to be somebody. Maybe it goes back to those days in elementary school when you, you were the, the kid that was always on the outside or picked last. And you said, I just want to be in the inner circle. I want to be known. I want to have lots of friends. I want to be famous. Maybe for you, it's religion. You know, you think if I can only obey, work a little harder, be more disciplined, uh, then God will be happy with me. Then I'll have it. Then I'll have it together. Maybe for you, it's something to have to do with yourself. Maybe it's your looks. You go to the gym, you work hard, you, you eat kale. You know, when I was a kid, kale was a garnish that went around a salad bar. Now we're eating it. It's like, what is this stuff? So you're trying to eat all right, do everything right, because you're taking care of your physical body. And you think, then I have the world. Or maybe, you know, here's one for me. I'm going to study hard because I will not be stupid. Because as a kid, I was called stupid. I grew up in the IU 13. I had learning struggles and I stuttered and all that stuff. And so I vowed I will. And so for me, gaining the world means I will not be stupid. I've worked hard for that. You know where it's gotten me? (laughs) Crazy busy with an empty soul. Maybe it's power. There's some in this room. It's all about power. You can control your world. You're in charge. You garner the respect from others. You walk with confidence. Your head is held high. Maybe it's pleasure or comfort. You know, you earn all the money so someone else can mow your lawn or someone else can clean your house or someone else can do all this stuff so you can sit back and enjoy the finer things of life. Or maybe another good one that we live for at times that we try and gain is your family. Good kids. We're going to do a whole week just on this subject because I think it drives our calendars crazy trying to have good kids. It's killing us. So we're going to spend a whole week and we say, Adam, aren't you supposed to have good kids? Well, it'd be nice. But is this what you're looking for to define who you are, to give you your worth and your value? You think if I've finally got the perfect family, then I've got it down. Jesus says, what benefit if you gain it all? but you lose your soul in the process. Is there anything more valuable than your soul? As I think about this, and I think about the things that I have run after to define me, the things that I've run after to give me value, the things that I've run after to hear I'm okay, that I have worth, that I have something to offer. Jesus says, no, come to me and find rest. And I love what he says. If you look there in Matthew again, 
take my yoke upon you. That's a strange term that we don't understand. That's like putting two oxen together. They, they hook them up together so we can do work together. Let me teach you. So he, Jesus says, I want to teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear. Now, this next verse, this next phrase, and the burden I give you is light. Now, I want some of you to be honest here. When you think about God and you think about what he's called you to do, would you describe it as light, as easy? As we think about this subject of slow and finding margin and finding rest, uh, we looked at Chris and I and, and kind of looked out at some other books. Bill Hybels wrote one, a pastor in Chicago, wrote a book called Simplify. I think some of you, if you're part of the church, actually studied that at both the women's class and I believe another Sunday school class here worked through that material. One of the chapters in that book, he tells you, if you're really going to simplify your life, identify what you're about. Identify a life verse. Well, I've done that, and it goes with this concept of burden. Because, see, I grew up in sitting in seats like this every Easter. I grew up sitting in seats like this every time the church doors were open. I was there. I was even went to a Christian school, went to a Christian family. At age five, I prayed a prayer to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. And i like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. I want Jesus. So I prayed that prayer. I was, I was a religious person. But inside, I was finding it no fun. It was a real drag. A real drag. I couldn't listen to Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer and all those other fun artists that were around back then. I couldn't wear my big baggy pants in, and it was probably a good thing anyway. They looked ridiculous. But it was a drag. It was hard to come when I worked hard for my money and my parents asked me to give 10% to the church. It was hard to, to serve. It was hard to spend that half hour each morning or 15 minutes when I'd rather be sleeping to read my Bible. Are you kidding me? I mean, I just struggled. It was a drag. It was a burden. And so when I read this and I think, oh, it's light. I then went off. Some of you know my story. I went off and said, well, I'm going to go live and really enjoy life. I don't want the burden of this on me anymore. So I went out to alleviate that burden. And I did that with all kinds of pleasure and all kinds of stuff to the point where it brought me to a very empty place. Where I'm like, now what do I do? Attempted suicide. I then come back and look for help. And I end up at a school in upstate New York, a Bible school. And they're beginning to teach me how to study the Bible. So I'm reading through the Bible, and here's where I read into my life verse. And it ties in with this, your burden is light. It's in 1 John chapter 5. It says, loving God, the very similar to come unto me and find rest. Very similar concepts here. Loving God means keeping his commandments. There it is. Take the yoke upon me. Listen to my teachings. Obey me. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not what? burdensome. The first time I read that, I was 19, almost 20 years old. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this Bible and I'm thinking, that's not what I experience. So either God's lying or this Bible wasn't translated, right? So I thought, well, let's go with that one. I tried every other translation. I didn't know Greek, which was, this verse was written in originally. So I'm looking at other Greek scholars and sure enough, that's what it should say. I'm thinking, well, how can this line up? Everything about the Christian life I knew up until that point was a pure burden. I did not enjoy doing good. I did not enjoy doing right. It was a hard thing to do. And then I listened to everyone say, well, it's good in the long run, Adam. Well, when's the long run going to get here? Because I just think it really is just rotten today. 
So I'd wrestle with this and wrestle with this. And I thought, well, his commandments are not a burden. I'd hear this echo, come unto me and find rest. My burden is light. Let me give you rest for your soul. Stop working so hard, Adam. The rest of the verse is where it unlocked for me. And this is my passion in life. And this is my passion as a pastor and my, for my kids, my wife, for my own life. For, here it is. Here's the answer for how it's and why it's not a burden. For every child of God, who's a child of God? A child of God is someone who believes in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ that he's the son of God, you are his child. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our what? Through our what? Say it. Notice it doesn't say through our obedience, through our discipline, through our hard work, through our prayer, through our Bible reading, through our acts of service, through our giving, through our church attendance, through our, it doesn't say that. It says through our faith. It's not a burden when we grasp this. And who can win this battle against the world? So he asked the question again, only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. That's when a light bulb went on for me. That's when it kind of clicked. I'm like, you know what I grew up believing is that I accept Jesus. I believe in him. I have faith in him. And then I get in, I'm in the club. I'm saved is the word that was used growing up. Here I am now. I'm okay. And now pick yourself up and go discipline yourself and work hard and, and get it all really dig in, obey God, keep him happy. And I realized all my obedience wasn't going to keep God happy. It couldn't. What kept God happy is Jesus Christ. And every single moment of every single day, I've learned it's a walk of faith. It's not more devotion, not more discipline, not gut it out, work it out. It's I get out of bed in the morning and I say, today is a new day. Today, I am accepted by God because of Jesus, period, end of story. It's not about I believe the gospel and get in. It's about I believe the gospel every single day and I take it deeper into my heart. Jesus didn't come to make me religious. Jesus didn't come to clean me up and make me good. Jesus came to bring me from death to life. Do you believe that? That is what Jesus calls to you. He says, come unto me and find rest. Don't just pick it up once. Strap the yoke on and let's walk together in life in faith. Walk with me. It's a relationship. Stop working for it. The greatest challenge is not your discipline. I love when Judah Smith said it, that little clip you saw earlier. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, or your focus. The greatest challenge is believing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to pray for us here in a minute. But you know, one of the things I've realized, why I stay busy, do you know why I realize I've stayed busy? Do you know what slowing down means? Slowing down means I encounter the living God. I hear from him. And do you know what I've learned is I've walked my own journey as I've sat with many others who've equally walked a journey of faith and wrestle with God I found that most of us are afraid to be still and quiet in the presence of God. We're afraid of what we might hear, what he might say to us. And I just asked the question, why? Why, Adam? He loves you. He loves me. He is for you. So I want to pray for us that we, I think you will never embrace, come unto me and find rest. 
Come unto me and find rest for your souls. I don't think we will ever embrace that unless we can first believe that the creator of this universe is madly and wildly in love with you. If you do not believe that, I don't believe you're ever going to take this, this offer to find rest. The apostle Paul, who wrote a letter to this church in the town of Ephesus, he writes this, one of his most famous prayers. He prays this for the people that he cares for. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. When I think of all this is this message of Jesus and this, this free gift of salvation, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. How many of you this morning can say, I have inner strength. Can you say that deep inside of me? I I have this inner strength. That's what he says. I want for you. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. There it is. That continuous daily walking, trusting in Jesus. Your roots will go down in God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand. And he adds this as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of his life and power that comes from God. So I'm going to close by praying. I'm going to pray that you know that scandalous, that wide, that deep, that vast, that expansive, that welcoming, that all-inclusive love that we have a hard time intellectually getting our heads around. And you would learn to hear, I am for you. I love you. In Jesus Christ, I am for you. And will we learn to be still in his presence and take that rest? And I think in the process, what ends up happening, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, spirit, and you will find rest for your soul. So I want to pray. And then when we're done praying again. We have a time of singing and some would call that worship. Um, Certainly, you're off free to do that at that point. We're going to also have a time of giving. The offering takes place at that point. If you're new to the church, we're not here to get your money. <laughs> it's a time of worship for those that are say, hey, I'm a Christ follower, a time of great sacrifice of giving. But I would ask everyone, though, to put their tear off. Just say, hello, I'm here. Share prayer requests, or maybe God's done something in your heart. We can walk with you in that. It's your time to do that. Let me pray for us right now. I want to pray specifically for every one of us in this room that we would know the love of God. If you're someone who is a Christian, I'm going to pray that you would experience it and truly know it in your soul. If you're someone who's walked in and says, I'm not so sure I am a Christian or what it means to be a Christian, or if I were to die today, what would, I'm going to pray that you who would have an experience right now, you would hear God talking to you. You would sense it deep inside of you and you'd feel him calling and say, come unto me and find rest. God, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Easter. This glorious message of death, burial, and resurrection. God, this message of of God standing, you standing and saying to us, I'm giving you my son's perfection and I'm taking your sin. God, that message, that scandalous message, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. God, would we get that deep in the fiber of our being? Would we understand not just that's not a theological, intellectual concept, but that's life. God, it's something that you have done. God, I pray for every person in this room that's walked in here saying, I know I'm a Christian. God, I pray that they would walk out of here just sensing a fresh blow of your spirit, sensing your love afresh and anew. 
God, that they would right now, they would feel the tug and the pull in their hearts of you saying, I'm for you. I love you. Let's slow down. Let's rest. Take my yoke upon me. Let's do this thing called life. God, would they hear that? Would they not be obeying to try and satisfy you and keep you happy, but would they be obeying because, man, they're in love with you because they get what you have done because they're close and, and they're walking with you it's as, as though they're walking with their closest friend. God, I pray that for every person here. God, for those in this room that have walked in here, maybe they came because it's Easter. It's what we do in Easter. Come with my family to church. Maybe they just found us online or came with a friend. But God, they're uncertain of what you really think about them. They're not even uncertain of what would happen if they were to die. God, would they hear right now? God, would they hear your voice? Would they seek you? God, would they sense that you're here and would they know that you love them? God, I pray right now that they would know that you love them no matter what they've done and where they've been. Would they know you love them in Jesus? And God, would they right now just say, I'm a sinner. Thank you for Jesus. I put my faith in him. He is where I find my worth and my value. I want to live there. God, that we celebrate if that is taking place right now in this room. God, for all of us, you have risen. You have risen. You've come to life. And God, it changes everything. It gives us hope. We can face tomorrow. We can, we can just rest. Have that inner strength. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.